Good evening, everybody. It is uh, Wednesday, January 26, 2022, and it is a brand new episode of the stream. It is me, your moderator, Stephanie Garrelis, and our lovely Casey. How are you doing today? I am doing great. I am so ready to hop back into all of these fabulous topics we have to discuss. It's great to be back for our second episode. Joseph? I'm, I'm hunkering down for the winter storm, but I'm ready. I'm ready to chat. Okay. Angel? So I didn't realize there was going to be a winter storm, but I'm ready to chat. Yes. And last but certainly not least, we have Emmy. I'm doing fantastic. Okay, you know what? Let's just get right into it, and we're just going to have a free-flowing conversation. It's been a jam-packed January, and we are now coming to the end. And unfortunately for, for, for the entire universe, we're still dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. And the COVID-19 pandemic and other factors are having a real bad effect on people's mental health. Uh, last week, it was reported that Regina King's son, Ian Alexander Jr., he, um, he died by suicide, only 26 years old. And when I heard the news, it really devastated me. Not because, you know, Regina King and I are a BFF or something like that. I would love that, but we're not. But it's the fact that we all kind of grew up with Regina King. We hold her dear to our hearts. And it just makes me sad that, you know, she's dealing with this tragedy. And it also makes me sad that, you know, you know mental health is real. It makes me sad that somebody would be so, they're hurting so badly. And the only way that they can think about stopping their hurt is to take their own lives. And, you know, I can't, I can't relate to that because um, I've never been in that particular headspace, but it really makes me sad. How do we confront something like this? How are we able to help other people? Because, um, you know, it's very cliche to say, check in on your strong friends. And that's what I did. I started picking up the phone. But what do we do after that? What do we do after we pick up the phone? We think we've done our good part. But where do we go from there to have this conversation? Well, I mean, first off, you know, prayers sent to Regina King and uh, prayers are also sent to Michael Madsen. You know, his 26-year-old son Hudson uh, took his own life as well. And, you know, it is a very difficult time. The country is not as put back together as people would like to say it is. And people are still feeling after effects from being locked down during COVID as we try to flatten the curve nationally and internationally. Um, but, you know, when you're battling personal demons beforehand and then coming out of a quarantine and battling them still, it's a lot to deal with. And, you know, I just think there needs to be a better system in place in this country. And, you know, people have been fighting for a better mental health system for a long time. Um, I would like to see, you know, politicians in Capitol Hill and everybody try to get more mental health reform. It's always a topic that falls on the short list. It's always pushed to the side. Um, but then things like this happen, um, you know, unfortunately people go through suicide every day. 
and it's just awful. And there truly is not that much of help out there. And so the country really needs to be galvanized again, in my opinion, about mental health awareness. We need to do more. We need to do better. They're not going to until it affects them directly. Yes. Um, So like that, there was a senator and I think it was Minnesota. He didn't let even think about trans issues until it affected his household. So once it affects your household, then they'll start putting in policies in place. And also it's not just young people. We're talking about Michael Matson's son and um, Ian, the voice of Charlie Brown. He died by suicide and he was 65 years old. So you just never know what someone's going through. What I say to my friends that I haven't talked to in a bit, and I'm, I'm completely real. They, they might think I'm outrageous. I don't care. I will say, how are you? And then I will say, how is your mental health? I've started asking people. And the huge responses I've gotten, I mean, just asking that one question, like people don't ask that. So I think that we should normalize that. Because, hi, how are you, is, like, so generic. It's, like, fine. How's your mental health? You have to actually dig into yourself and bring that out. This is your friend. You can be honest with us. So, Joe, how's your mental health, Joe? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it it depends. It depends on how you I was just kidding. I don't care. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh, wow. Love you. That's cold-blooded right there. I can't believe it. As cold as the blood. Um, I I think that that's a good point in terms of reaching out to to friends and acquaintances and just people that you know that. um, But I think that's part of the problem is that a lot of people that are struggling and are dealing with deep depression and anxiety and feelings of loneliness where it could be exacerbated by the pandemic. It could be exacerbated by work. It could be exacerbated by a whole slew of things. And a lot of times they fight those demons on their own and they put a really good game face on when they're in public or when you see them. And, you know, unless there's actually a a literal cry for help, a lot of times it comes as a massive surprise when these things happen. And I think that's, that's part of the problem is that we don't have the mechanisms in place to recognize it sooner, um, to deal with it, and to give people the outlets that they need in order to be able to try to work through it and to try to get the help that will ultimately prevent that being the 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 you know the answer that the conclusion that they reach um, where they feel that hopeless and um, it's it's. It, it's a, a sad testament to the mental health in this country. And I think you're right. We, we do need to galvanize around these things. Um, but, you know, that's the problem when you're dealing with a pandemic. Sources, you know, resources get diverted to other things. And while some people can thrive in an environment where they don't have to deal with other people, other people fe- feel tremendously isolated. And, and that, can be, um, that can be the, you know, the, the catalyst to something really, really uh, tragic. And also being consistent. You can't just, you know, after you hear about these suicides, reach out to your friends and like, okay, they're good. No, you got to be consistent. And I'm not saying get on their asses every day, but sometimes if, if, if that's what they want, ask them, do you want me to like 
check on you every day. They might say no, but once a week, like it's, it's your friend. Do you know what I mean? It's another human being that you, you put in your life. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Angel, what are your thoughts? Um, I'm going to be real here. Um, uh, no, I don't think that the government's going to do anything about that because I suffer from mental health issues. Um, I, I, I don't know exactly what I suffer with. It's just because it's ever changing and everything like that. But to be completely honest, I do not have a regular therapist right now because just like what we talked about last time with the great resignation, that's affected um, that's actually affected therapists. So because of that, there's a shortage of therapists, just like there's a shortage of workers everywhere. So the only thing that I can really say about that is aside from the stuff that, you, that with checking on your friends is to just be an advocate for yourself. I've been suffering from mental health issues since I was 19, maybe even earlier, but the but onset at 19 with earlier stuff, probably at, at, in my teens, even younger than that. I would just, just, on top of being an advocate for yourself saying like, Hey, I need to get, I need to get help. I personally need to get help. Even if you just, just practice self-awareness, but also and this is, this is, this is really deep, deep, deep with me. Cause I've dealt with this for nearly 20, maybe nearly 20 years. This like, while you do have your, your close friends checking on you at the end of the day, people don't really care about you. You have to care about yourself before anybody cares about you. And that's the hardest lesson I have to learn dealing with my own mental health issues. I had to take off work from today because I had a panic attack over just life. And that that's a reality. Like if like if you're if like if your employer is not going to advocate for you, if like because I actually did get um removed from my university back in the day for mental health related issues. And there was nothing I could do about it. So ultimately you have to be a personal advocate for yourself. And I'm not even talking about, I'm, this, I'm not saying that the suicide of the, of, of the two gentlemen was right. It's not right. It's because you, you don't see it. You don't see people hurting. So that's why on top of being an advocate for yourself, you got to check in on people. And I agree with Emmy and I agree with um, Joe about that as well. And trust me, this is, this, this runs deep with me. Definitely. And Angel, I love you. So let me just say that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, love you so very much. Um, I will say that, you know, even though we can do better in this country for mental health, you know, the amazing men and women out there who are employees at the National Suicide Prevention Hotline are mm -hmm. absolutely amazing. You can call, you can even chat, and that number is 1-800-273-8255. So if you do need help, it is right there. Somebody will be in contact with you. Um, and they will talk to you. These are professionally trained people who, you know, it's their calling to do this and they want to help. So God bless everybody. And let's just find a way to start changing some stuff for the better. I would also add on top of that, um, if you have, if your local county or wherever you live has their own mental health services, 
look out for it. Use it. Uh, Nami has Nami has some stuff. Um, I forgot the name. They're, they have a group meeting every week. I forgot the name of the, the group, but definitely reach out to if you have any online sources on top of the National Suicide Professional Hotline. Reach out to them. Uh, I know that where I live, my county has a mental health task force, and that has saved my life. Yeah, and a lot of companies also have EAP programs, employees assistance programs that have access to counselors and therapists that are available to try to help assist employees, um, you know, within your company. So it, it's part of usually part of a healthcare benefit. Um, an EAP program is is really helpful for a whole slew of things, but they do have services that help with um, with with just finding someone that you can talk to and and have um, you know have that dialogue with if you're struggling. And before we move to the next topic, um, Angel, I want to ask you since you were open about your mental health, how would how would you like your friends to approach you? They already have. Um, they they just check on check in on me every day. They allow okay. uh, they allow me to um, they, they they allow me to vent. Um, now the weird thing is that some of my friends are therapists, so I try to create that boundary where they are not my my friends. It's just more of a bounce back sort of thing. So um, mm-hmm. like so my friends have are amazing. Um, Sarah, I love you. She's a co-host for my other podcast, and like she is going to listen to this, so I know she's awesome. <laughs> and also, you're not a burden. You're not a burden to anybody. You know, I talk Casey's ear off, and I talk Joe's ear off all the time. Do I care if I'm a burden? Probably not. Um, but I also know that I have people on my side, and and there are times when more so Joe than Casey, I think just because of the longevity of our friendship where I have Joe like, all right, listen, you're getting a little crazy. Like calm down. Um, you're, you're, you're getting over the hill, come back down. And I appreciate that. And it centers me. And I think he's pretty much one of a handful of people that can do that. So just reach out to your friends as well. Don't feel like a burden. You're not a burden. I promise you. Um, Before we move on to the next topic, I just want to say thank you, everybody, for sharing the resources for those who are possibly, you know, thinking about suicidal ideation. Thank you so much, Casey and Angel. And Angel, that I'm glad that you're still here. I'm glad every every day, it may sound cliche, but every day that you're here, it's just another day that you, you went through it, you survived. And that's sometime, that's all that that's all that's important. You made it through another day. So I'm glad that you're here. Um, kind of segueing into our next topic, many ways that people deal with their frustrations or perhaps trying to have a moment of levity is by watching TV, binge watching, Netflix, Hulu, Apple, all these different apps wanted to take your money. And what a lot of them have in common is that a lot of them are very racy. They're pushing the edge because they're not on broadcast television. Two recent examples are Euphoria and, and Just Like That, the Sex and the City spinoff. On Euphoria, it, it shows a lot of teenagers, but they're in a, in a very adult situation. They're all constantly having sex, lots and lots of sex, soft, soft porn sex. And in Just Like That, they had full, full frontal nudity. Now, I'm not a prude. But there comes a point where it's sort of like, I actually want the meat and potatoes of the story. I'm not trying to watch soft porn. What say you? It's so. <laughs> I have a lot right, to say about this. Go. I have a lot to say. 
Okay. So I can get my popcorn. So yeah. Uh, so there was another show on HBO Max um, that I absolutely loved, um, created by Mindy Kaling. Uh, it was the Sex Lives. Sex Lives of College Girls. <laughs> yeah. Great show. Um, they also showed some very delicious individuals. Um, <laughs> with And just like that, you know, it was so funny to me. The show had never, you know, when it was the original Sex in the City, it had never really gone into a lot of male nudity. Um, you know, it was, or really a whole lot of nudity for that matter. I mean, unless you were Samantha and the handful of scenes with Miranda, there really wasn't going to be nudity. You know, it was more of either the simulation of it or, you know, talk about it. With and just like that, I think it fit very well into the story when it came to Harry and Charlotte's plot uh, from that episode. Um, now that very hunky gentleman that that new character was going out with, that might've just been for enjoyment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting when you think about how far sex has come on television as a whole, you know, you even look at network television, how to get away with murder was very racy when it was on, um, it was certainly the raciest I had ever seen a primetime drama up until that point on ABC. Um, you look at NBC in the pilot episode, they showed Milo Ventimiglia's butt and This Is Us. I mean, it, the times have definitely changed. My thing is, is I definitely want it to serve the story. For me, there has to be something else in there. It just can't be nudity all the time. Uh, just for the sake of it, for the sake of some sort of OMG value, some ride up in deadline Hollywood. Um, I haven't seen Euphoria yet, but when it comes to just like that, it was very enjoyable. <laughs> but I've, I've only, so I've only seen the first season of the two specials. I haven't, I, not because of the previous mental health issues I mentioned, um, I haven't watched any of season two yet. I think it's only two episodes that have came out anyway, so I'm just going to binge when it comes back. But I think, and this might be just me being desensitized to it, um, I see no real issue with the, with them, with like them draw, I don't think a line needs to be drawn. And this is why I say this. We're going to get into the storylines of Euphoria real quick, just because, you know, just to assume that Deadline doesn't watch Euphoria. Euphoria deals with a lot of drugs, like uh, like the like the way that it's portrayed is that Rue's drug use affects her entire family, affects her entire life, affects her friends. They do a really good job of portraying that to the point where it gets a little too real, and that's kind of something that I wanted that that I want in a TV show when I have the headspace for it. Skins, Degrassi, Pretty Little Liars, Riverdale, kind of fall under that same umbrella for me. And then there was also, they also do a really good job portraying a domestic violence uh, relationship. Too real, way too real for that. Uh, way too real for that. And I've like, I've had somebody who recently went through, thank goodness she got out of life, a domestic violence situation. So that that's so realistic. And Degrassi has portrayed domestic violence and not so much drug use, but, and forgot Degrassi is going to be on HBO Max next year. So I forgot about that. So that's going to be an issue we'll talk about next year. Um, there is a really good storyline with uh, Jules who, um, about gender dysphoria. 
Um, and also they go into white privilege. I think the only storyline that I wrote that doesn't really stick with me is with Kat. Um, Kat is a sex worker. And I think because I haven't really dealt with that in the internet age, or there wasn't really like a, there's, there, I have no real connection to that. But I also want to get into the fact that HBO itself is a paid network. It still is. You still you still pay for that on top of that two hundred dollar cable bill that, you, that people want to you know that people want. Yes, I see you're raising your hand, Stephanie. Uh, <laughs> that you that you that that you can t- take off or t- take off. But I think the issue that we that I think the issue that people are portraying with that, and I also just recently saw a article on Bridgerton how they had a really like racy sex scene in their season season two opener. Um, and the fact that HBO is a paid network, just like Netflix is, and the fact that I, I kind of have this very like conservative, maybe liberal conservative view on this, where it's like, if you don't want to see it, turn it off. But then also, but then also, I appreciate that they they are going that far because as much as I hate girls, the, the TV show girls that was on HBO, I I'm happy that they had people of different sizes who were who, naked and, and stuff like that. And, and they do have the character cap that I mentioned earlier naked. Now, of course, all actors are over 18. So but that's just my spiel. Like, if you don't like it, don't watch it. And I know people are going to have those think pieces. There's going to be those Catholic, Christian, conservative outlets that are out there saying that, like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. Like, that's just me. I, I'm all for it. No, they won't say that. It, only if it's LGBTQ. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't with you after I watched and just like that I kind of missed the whole Harry thing maybe I'm desensitized to it I did see the hang and schlong in the second part of it that kind of shocked me and I kind of went oh and maybe it's the prune in me but um, But you know what was interesting Emmy is I have to say it shocked the character who saw it Carrie it shocked her too yeah and so You know, in the end, I, I guess even though I felt like that one they could have done without, since it shocked Carrie as well, I guess mm. you could say it was in the story too. Because yeah. she used to be that girl who wouldn't have right. thought a second thing about that. But now, you know, they're portraying somebody who is 55 and right. just doesn't act the same as she did 30 years ago, which is very real, you know you think about sex differently at different ages. Um, now, Joe, I'm sure we're all very curious to hear what you have to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm the type of person that, you know, regardless of whatever they put on TV, you know, I, I kind of laugh at American culture and how we are so puritanical in so many ways about sex and nudity and just pr- pretty much anything that deals with uh that, that isn't like a leave it to beaver kind of moment. Um, 
so I, you know, see, see what I'm saying? Um, so I, you know, I, I, I tend to be on the, on the same page, you know, as angel where it's, you know, if you don't, if you don't like it, turn it off. And if you think that you're going to, you know, if you're going to turn on a show and, and you didn't pay attention to what those little warning labels were at the beginning, then don't get mad at the show for showing you somebody's, uh, kibbles and bits. It's, I mean, to me, like, you're you're an adult if you're watching the show if you're if you're letting your kids watch certain things then buyer beware but at the end of the day you know you know your own sensitivity to things and you know i i think the 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 more that people can come to grips with the fact that these things are it's it's real life these are human beings it's not this is there's nothing to be shocked or shamed about um, I, I, the better it is for everybody. Cause I think that does open the doors to, you know, a, a greater sensitivity to everybody in general. So I'm all for it, whatever you get into, you showing somebody's schlong, whatever you showing somebody's, you know, Yahoo, whatever it, it's, whatever you want to call them. Uh, it, 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 I'm all for it. Do what you got to do. I just, wish, I just wish Joe that you would stop developing nicknames. Um. <laughs> I was going to develop the same nicknames. I was going to call it a ding dong. <laughs> but I, but to get to you, Casey, uh, about uh, the scene and, and, um, and just like that, which I haven't watched yet. Um, I remember there was a show called uh, Sex Slash Life on Netflix. Do you think mm-hmm. that they had that scene in there because of that? Because of the scene in Sex Slash Life? I don't know. That was I was offended by that scene. I was just like, oh, my God. I never watched away. Sex Life. Um, it, it was... I, what was the scene exactly? He was taking a shower. So the whole thing is this woman had a wild life before she met her husband and, and got married and had kids. And she ends up reconnecting with this guy. Her husband finds out who it is, kind of stalks him, and they're both in the gym shower. And I, I am not kidding you. This thing was almost down to his knee and they showed the whole thing. I was, I just kind of gasped and I didn't know what to do and I couldn't look away, but then I wanted to look away. It was, it was, yeah, it was different. I, I don't know. Yeah. Cause it kind of makes me wonder if, if people, if like the streaming, if like the streaming services are competing mm-hmm. with all of that, like if they're yeah. like, okay, Who's going, all right, who's going to make it bigger? Who's going to make it bigger? Yeah. Who's going to make it bigger? Huh. Like, that's where, that's where I'm, that's no where I was going to go that. Yeah. Yeah, no, no pun intended. I but think it's I really, really think about, that, oh, go ahead, Ann. Well, I was just going to say, I think we're talking about the wrong things here. First of all, you straight people pushing your straight agenda on me, my God. <laughs> um, but we're talking about the wrong thing. The first season of Bridgerton, this woman raped a man. We are not talking about that. I, I don't know. I just think it's kind of crazy how people are talking about euphoria, but not how there was a literal rape scene of a man. And we just kind of like, oh, okay, great. So um, is there a season two of Bridgerton? Yeah, it just uh, came out. <laughs> just well, came because, out. you know, to be quite honest, um, and it should be talked about, and there should have been a conversation with the bigger culture, and I'll make this quick because I know we have other points to go to, but, you know, my thing is, is I have to say, I feel like the reason there wasn't a big conversation about that is because Euphoria, not Euphoria, Bridgerton, much like daytime soap operas, 
that's a set of an audience. Euphoria is more well talked about. Even though Bridgerton is very popular, Bridgerton at the end of the day is romance and escapism through, you know, stereotypical romance novels started by Julia Quinn. And so I have a feeling that's why it wasn't talked about in any major trades is because at the end of the day, euphoria is easier to pull somebody into a story and the show itself because it's more universal as opposed to if you're watching Bridgerton, it's probably A, because you love romance, B, you love the books, or C, you heard your friend talking about it who loves romance novels and you decided to give it a shot. So at the end of the day, it's a smaller pool of people watching. than a that subset of D that um, like Shonda Rhimes and stuff. And, and also, e, you want to see Ray J. John Page, okay? And also, I would say that um, even though it's 2022, we still are dealing with a society that does not deal with women assaulting men in the same comparison. If the roles had been reversed, if it had been a man who, you know, manipulated a woman into having sex, we would have that conversation. Mm-hmm. But because it was a woman, and many people do believe that men cannot be raped. But the thing is that when women are being raped, a lot of them have had orgasms. So you can't say just because he had an orgasm, he wasn't raped. But a lot of people do genuinely believe that. They believe that if a man has an orgasm and because the women are, most women aren't as physically strong as their male counterparts, that is not viewed as rape to many people. Unfortunately, that's where we is. That's where we are. And I don't think that many too many people want to have that conversation. It's sort of like, okay, this is being silly. You're being so-called woke. You know, why can't we just enjoy it? Sort of to Casey's point, this is about a romance novel. Why are you bringing rape into it? A lot of people exactly. will instinctively push back against that. Mm-hmm. Say that loud enough for the people in the back of the church, girl. <laughs> but moving on, Because, you know, we were on the subject of racy. This is not quite racy, but is it presidential? So this past week, you know, President Joe Biden was having one of his, um, you know, Q&A reporters. And Ducey, um, I think it's Peter Ducey from Fox News, um, Mm -hmm. asked a question. And our president said, oh, that son of a bitch, that stupid son of a bitch. Now, are you offended or is it refreshing to have a president speak their mind? Refreshing. refreshing I'm happy. Refreshing. I am well, happy. I'm happy. Refreshing. Refreshing. Um, yes, I am very, very happy because finally, this is what I wanted to see out of Biden is the fact that he's had enough, just like the American people who voted for him. Because my biggest issue is, is all of Trump's people and all media let mm-hmm. Trump get away with this for four years. And he did far worse. He even came down to mocking a disabled reporter on the campaign trail. My thing is, is with this, he wasn't being offensive. He was being honest. He was like enough, enough of the Fox News witch hunt full of, you know, anti-vax, you know, false information, you know, false COVID info like, you know, I think he was just fed up like all of his voter voters were with Fox News still having the audacity to call themselves a news organization. And he was just enough of the witch hunt that is unfounded 
on this president who is just trying. I have my problems with Biden. We'll get into it through we all do. 37 episodes that we have left to do with this season. But my thing is in this moment, I stood up and I cheered. It was fabulous and I want to see more of it. I just want to uh, say that Fox News deserved it. Fox News, mm. I've seen families being ruined by Fox News just by them sitting in front of the TV and mm. then they will have altercations with their family members on Facebook because they disagree with their politics. Fox News deserved what they got from Joe Biden. I'm sorry. And, and this is going to sound like, oh, well, you know, you you know, conservatives can't, they don't have freedom of speech. Um, of course, you had freedom of speech for four years. Take a back seat and let the liberals come back to it. Now, I'm not fully liberal. I'm more in the center. But in this case, I am with Biden on this one. It was it, unpre- was it uh, unpresidential? Yes. But did they deserve it? Yes. So that's my take on that. I just think it's funny that he called someone a son of a bitch and everybody's like up in arms. Uh, someone a fat pig. A fat pig. So um, <laughs> we're not going to talk. We're going to excuse that or I don't know. Donald you Trump know, made fun know. of Rosie O'Donnell forever. So forever. Like I was, I was in high school and he was making fun of her. Even like, when he was a president. Mm-hmm. Of her. But we're, we're going to talk about a man who finally reached his boiling point and called someone a son of a bitch. Honey, I call people worse than that, sweetheart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, 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 I have to respectfully disagree with everybody that's saying that this is presidential. Of course he does. I oh, do wait, because no, it's not presidential, right? It's not presidential. And I don't think that we should have lowered the bar to a standard where we're arguing if, you know, if Trump did it, then it's okay for, for anyone else to do it. You know, I, I look at the last four years under Trump as an anomaly. He didn't hold press conferences. He pretty much governed by tweet, which it, it, to me is, is just embarrassing in, in general for the office that he was holding. Um, but I don't think if you're trying to return to a sense of normalcy and decorum, I don't think you play in the mud and I don't think you, I certainly don't think you do it in the immediate years following such a a debacle. And while there were many things that I thought that, um, you know, that Trump did very, very poorly, um, you know, there, the, the curse words and all this stuff, it was kind of limited to backroom stuff that may have gotten recorded. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, if you're advertising yourself as the, uh, the antithesis of what we just experienced, if you're advertising yourself as the answer to all of America's ills and trying to course correct from, you know, the, the, the period that we just experienced, then no, I don't think that's what you should be saying to a reporter. I think you have to be much more clever. I think you have to have the, uh, and, and I think that's one of the things that uh, makes it much harder for people to, to value the credibility of someone that they, you know, they continuously say is old and feeble and losing his mind and losing his memory is that you have to be more clever than just, you know, throwing a club at it and saying, you know, son of a bitch to a reporter 
Um, that's the kind of response that Fox wants to elicit from from the president of the United States, because if it were uh, if the shoe were on the other foot, there would be equal outrage. And I'd, I think that that it devalues what the whole office represents to our country, to our kids. Um, and I don't think it's right for any president to say it. And I certainly don't think it's OK to say it just because we had four years of some, you know, some someone um, who's wall, wallowing in the mud. Um, I will also five. note that um, President Biden five. did call Peter Ducey to apologize for his uh, for his actions, which is um, relates to kind of like Joseph's point. We can always say that you know he did it, he did it, but that's kind of like schoolyard taunting. At the end of the day, you know President Biden is a human being. He had a human reaction, mm -hmm. but he's still the president. And, and to Joseph's point, we can't always say, "Well, Trump did it. He started it." If you're going to be president, if you're going to assume the office of the presidency, you have to, you have to uphold those ideals. And I do believe that he set the proper example by extending his you know his um his apologies for his actions. I yeah, do I like, think like that's where that's the presidential side of him because Trump would have never done that. Never. No. My thing is is. Yes, it may have not been the best course of action in that moment, but when you have so much buildup on top of you, when we've put Biden into Trump's pressure cooker and tried to, you know, fix everything all at once and this reporter keeps baiting you, you know, that's your honest reaction. What Trump would have done is if this was a guy from CNN, he would have just banned him forever from a press mm -hmm. briefing. Mm -hmm. At least Biden is standing there and taking the line of questioning anyway. And I think that's what's being yeah. missed here is I think that this was good on Biden to do because he's not out there acting like Trump. We're not all excusing it. We're saying that this is a man that you've built so much pressure on top of in the middle of the surging pandemic, mm -hmm. you have to expect him to react. Any of us would yeah. have done it if we were placed in the same position. Yeah, and he's I have, and I have, in. yeah, and I had a friend who was who I was actually kind of like kind of having a little argument with on uh, Twitter, saying like kind of tweeting at Biden saying we need to we need to get rid of these student loans. And oh. I said we are still in the middle of a pandemic, and then they. They talked over me. I'm like, I'm like, but there, we're still in the middle of pandemic. Student mm -hmm. loans come later. Mm -hmm. We have to deal with this pandemic right now. So of course, if you have people tweeting at you all day, every day saying, oh, we need to get rid of these student loans. We need to get rid of these student loans. And on top of that, you have Fox News on top of you. You have a, you have a pandemic that you have no real control over. Of course, it's a pressure cooker. Like, like Stephanie said, we're all human. So, but at least at least Biden took accountability and said, look, I made the mistake. I'm sorry. And then they kind of, they, they actually did kind of have a little bit of a joke. Um, um, where does it say right here? Um, at, the, at his news conference last week, Biden said to Dosi with sarcasm, you always ask me the nicest questions. That's completely sarcasm. Mm -hmm. I have a whole binder full, the reporter answered. And then uh, Biden said, I know you do. None of them make a lot of sense to me. Fire away. So it seems like they're on good terms right now um, until the next time the pressure cooker. <laughs> but that's that's the kind of clever banter that he should be engaging in. And that and the argument that as the president of the United States, that you're not going to be under immense amounts of pressure for the entirety of four years is, you know, to me, that's 
we're, we're, we're trying to hold him to a lesser standard than what Democrats and liberals and most people tried to hold Trump to, which is, you know, this is, a, this is an office that has the greatest amount of responsibility in this country. It is the singular person that the entire country looks to for direction, for guidance, for leadership, for, as I said, decorum. And, you know, that's, that's a standard that we should be expecting the highest ideals from. And when someone fails at that, I can appreciate the fact that he apologizes because I think that shows that he is, he's, he genuinely recognizes how unpresidential that situation is. But, you know, there's, there's a million and one situations where the press goes at a president or goes at, goes at somebody in these positions of power and you, you know, they don't fold and it's, it could be the middle of a war. It could be the middle of the financial crisis. Um, you know, Obama, you look at this, the responses that he had during conversations with the press and, and during his press conferences, and he, he never would have called someone in the press, a son of a bitch. George Bush wouldn't have called somebody a son of a bitch. Well, he did, so say, I'm gonna to, he to, did say about Kanye that he did, yeah. Say, he did yeah, thank you. We're I'm gonna have to disagree with you, Joe. Um, here's the thing, and I, I, I want you to stay with me here. Back in the day, if we saw a scary movie, we would, you know, be scared because we were kids. If we saw that same movie today, we would be like, that wasn't so scary. My point is. When Joe was first in the office, in the White House, he didn't have to deal with some of the things that Trump and his people put on him. When they were in the presidential race, not even Obama had to deal with anybody like Biden has to deal with. So my point is the, mm. the bar is completely different. I understand we went through four years of that rhetoric like him why am i keep saying joe i don't know him president biden isn't like him but he's a little different he, he's a little softer he and i'm gonna forgive him he lost it one time big deal because everything's so different from what it was before i bet you anything if obama had to go against trump and it was today he probably would have called someone a son of a bitch because the things that this man went through just to get into that office, from day one, he was scrutinized. He loses it one time publicly, and everybody calls him feeble, unstable. Check his, you know, it, does he have dementia? He's an old man. Like, what? No, I'm going to give him a pass one time. You get one pass. Yeah, you get one. You, you get, get one. one. Because it, it, it has happened with every previous president. You know, George Bush has done it. Um, right. You know, when he and Cheney extent, were about but... to go live um, in front of the people of America. And so, I mean, everybody gets one. Would I have liked for it to happen? No. But can I justify it? Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because of all that has happened. And you know what? One slip up in a gear, you know, live in front of everybody, it happens all the time. You know, you're live in front of the American people. You know, we can watch these press briefings. Um, and so one time, everybody's allowed one slip. In mm. opinion. And plus the guy so is a son me. of a bitch. Like he, he is. is. So it's like yeah. just being honest. I mean. <laughs> but you got one, Joseph. 
not you, Joseph, on the panel. <laughs> no, I actually got none. Not to say that I, really respect where jo- I really respect where Joseph is coming from because myself, oh, I, I do am a too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm a journalist, and I think that in order for our country to come together, and as a journalist, you have to get both sides of the situation. Not to like both sides necessarily. I love the fact that he said that I understand that Joe Biden is a human being, but he also holds the office of the president, the highest office in the land. He is the commander in chief. And when we say, but Trump did it, no, no, no. I also view the Trump administration as an anomaly. So when you say that, you know, well, Trump did it. And the thing is that, so we're now basing the presidency on an anomaly. So I really Unfortunately, respect your, yeah. Um, Unfortunately. But everybody's done it. Barack, George Bush, Bill Clinton. Clinton, like everybody's Clinton lied to us. done it. Well, let's not. The thing let's not is, the point Clinton. is, let's is that the world has changed. We were just talking yeah. about sex on television. So we can't sit here and say that the world hasn't changed for the presidency either. Mm. What we're saying is it was not the most presidential thing to do, but we're coming from a place of understanding. I just don't believe that we can sit on this panel and talk about how television and sex have changed and not think the rest of the world has changed in terms of the presidency. We're going through, we're going through inflation. I think he was a loud one slip. Ooh, take the out of them face grease over there. I like that we disagreed <laughs> on this. Lord, I look, like if this. we were the view, we would say two of our co-hosts are now out with COVID. <laughs> look, we would, do, we would do a side-by-side on spotlight mode. We would. Oh, look, Joe, I'll let you be Elizabeth Hasselback because I liked Rosie O'Donnell. They found their Hasselback. Yay! <laughs> People are going to look back at this period in history. They're going to look back at this period in history and they're going to be ashamed. They're going to look back on it like they did they look like we look back on the Andrew Jackson presidency, which was rife with all kinds of problems and dis, you know, disorder and disarray. And, you know, I, I, again, I'm not saying that people are not human. I'm not saying that people are not going to slip up. The question was, was this presidential? And I don't think it was. And I'm not saying that he's not allowed to have a slip up because I think all presidents have a slip up. What I'm saying is, is that, that doesn't mean that we let him off the hook necessarily and, and excuse the behavior you know, based on what the prior president did. I think we need to kind of reset where the bar is, regardless of where we've gotten to or what we've been through. We need to kind of reset to a point where we hold ourselves to a higher standard as Americans and stop with this political infighting and pointing to this, you know, this constant whataboutism. Well, Trump did this and Trump did that and Obama did this and Bush did this. It's this constant whataboutism where it's like all it's doing is continuing to lower the bar for what our expectations are. It creates more and breeds more and more distrust of the institutions that should be bolstering our 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 you know our our entire system of governance. And it's to me that's whoa whoa starts whoa. With the, he called him a son of a bitch, not a mother effer. And it's, uh, it's still a swear word though. It's still a swear word. Biden ran on the let, ran on the idea that an adult is now coming to the off to the Oval Office. And when you are an adult, you're not going back and forth with the child. Yes, those some those reporters are there to hold the president to account. And a lot of them are there to piss him off, specifically to go viral, to do other clickbait. You are giving them what they want. So yeah. I let you have your moment, but I'm still the president. I'm glad that he apologized. But speaking of people right. being human beings, 
we're all human beings and we're, I'm going to put everybody now on the hot topic. Okay. What did you do this week to get canceled? What petty moment and childish moment did you have this week? <laughs> I mean, I know you, got, I know you got a good one. Who? I mean, I know you got a good one. What you talking about? <laughs> Let's hear it. I didn't get canceled. If you want, oh, to I didn't talk say you petty. got canceled. I, I didn't say you, you got canceled. <laughs> I um currently live with my half brother and my mother, and I can't fit either one of them. Every single day, <laughs> every single time I walk by his bedroom door, I flip him off, and the door's closed. Whatever, he can't see it. And then whoever's in the living room, they're back to me. I just flip them right off behind the back. <laughs> it's petty, I get it, but it makes me feel better. So shut up. <laughs> I like it. I I listened to Meatloaf and I didn't know that he was conservative. <laughs> Look, it was because he died. <laughs> I cared more about Louis Anderson, but I yes. Oh my gosh. Life with, Louis, life with Louis was my jam. That was my um, family feud. Yes. Mm-hmm. He brought family feud back. Mm. That was that that version with Steve Harvey that started with him. That technically started with uh, Anderson. Yep. I remember when the case so wait, first came I'm out. Curious, what petty thing has Joe done? Because he's not a petty person. Yeah, turn yeah, the spotlight. I want to know. Turn the spotlight. I have, I, have tr- I have struggled to come up with something. And I honestly, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think I characterize anything that I do as petty. It's put always. Put Jen on the phone. Put Jen yeah. on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> come on, wait. Put your wife on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> Let us hear the truth. <laughs> She's probably got a laundry list, but that's, I mean, I can tell you right now, it's not done out of pettiness. Anything I do is, uh, you know, is, is certainly not out of pettiness, but I, I don't know. I, I really can't think of anything good. Like I didn't, I didn't listen Petty to person. meatloaf. Uh, <laughs> I don't walk by flipping people off when they're not looking like, I don't know. Well, you need to work on that. So me and Joe, Joseph, have both been angels this week while you guys have been whoa, petty, whoa. petty people. <laughs> well, bunch of, see, bunch of Joe that, Biden. look, look, I live as a you woman named a Angel. I live as a woman named Angel to, to not be an angel. <laughs> <laughs> Got a bunch of Joe Bidens on this show. Last one. We got to talk to Casey because I know there's some pettiness. Up Come on, Casey, out. Robin, that's it. Uh, Hunter said, how you doing? Well, I really have enjoyed this episode of the stream. You can find me on oh. Twitter. At oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We need to talk about Meatloaf. And I'm not talking about the singer. We're, talk- we're talking about the food. <laughs> you leave my most recent podcast alone. Um- <laughs> uh, that, was a fun- that was funny, though. <laughs> And you didn't see, oh, you didn't see what Alan just posted, did you? I mean, I, <laughs> I did not. Um, Angel is referencing a whole nother podcast that I co-host. It's oh, a panel okay. show as well. And for some reason last night, I did not shut off the recording button and we just kept <gasps> talking and talking. And we veered so far into the course of food. I felt like I was watching Valerie's Home Cooking on the Food Network. 
so if you have a chance to listen to energy, it, I think. <laughs> All right, yeah. So, I mean, you know, look, in terms of pettiness, I've definitely have my moments, um, mm. you know, at least five a really? day. Um, mm. You know, that's what makes me a very... <laughs> apple a day keeps the penny away. <laughs> that's what makes me hey, a question. very enjoyable person. So. When I go to Barnes & Noble, where do I find Valerie Bertinelli's book? Leave that situation alone. <laughs> Why was I about to call her Valerie Burton Ernie? <laughs> I um, <laughs> yes, and most of my incidences do come from my job that I love, by the way, because you know what? We can all be petty to each other, but it really is fun to be petty at my job because everybody else does it too. And in the end, we just all end up laughing about it. So it's fun. Um, <laughs> But yeah, what about you, Stephanie? Are you sure you've been 100% an angel all week? No petty moment? I have had assertive moments. Uh, one of the things that I've been intentional <laughs> about is um, assertive moments. Because um, the thing is that people just, for a long time, I've been the doormat, the people pleaser. Yeah. I don't want to say no to anybody, but I'm like, I've been very direct. This is what I want. Yes, the bad feeling that you're getting from me is exactly what I mean. We're not friends. And um, let's just say that I'm moving in silence. I'm moving in silence. And when people, F-O-F-A. And if you know what that means, you know what it means. So mm-hmm. that's that's where I am. And you know what? Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of The Stream. I'll <laughs> <laughs> see okay. you next week. Have a good Bye. one. Thank Bye. you. Good night, everybody. Good night. Peace. This has been a brand new episode of The Stream, created by Casey Hutchison, produced by Casey Hutchison, moderated by Stephanie Gorillas. Co-hosts include Casey Hutchison, Joseph Willis, Emmy Morgan, and Angel Young. Follow our co-hosts, Stephanie Gorillas at QSteph, Casey Hutchison at KCS Hutch, Joseph Willis at JDubs413, Emmy Morgan at Miss Emmy Morgan, and Angel Young at Tornado Song. We'll be back with a brand new episode of the stream next Wednesday, and you do not want to miss it. Be sure to follow our podcast at the Stream PC.